Productions. This show is all about the people behind the science of biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life-saving. Life, life all right, everybody's going to be really excited about this one. I'm so honored um, to focus the Lab Rats to Unicorns episode uh, welcoming uh, Dr. Ken Christensen. He's the provost and senior vice president for academic affairs at Illinois Tech. And he is, you know, in that uh, role, really an esteemed academic uh, researcher, but in the role as provost, really overseeing a lot of the activities and strategy um, for this esteemed outsized, uh, out, outstanding institution. His journey with Illinois Tech began in November of 2020 as the Carol and Ed Kaplan Dean of Armour College of Engineering, holding joint appointments in both the Department of Mechanical, Materials and Aerospace Engineering and the Department of Civil architectural and environmental engineering. And before Illinois Tech, uh, he spent several years um, in a similar capacity at Notre Dame, and then before that, University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. Um, he's got a BS in mechanical engineering from the University of New Mexico, a master's degree from Caltech, and a PhD in theoretical and applied mechanics from the University of Illinois. Um, with that career spanning decades at the forefront of engineering, academia, Christensen brings a wealth of knowledge and insight. In the episode that we have ahead of us, we're going to explore the intersection of academia and industry, the evolving landscape of engineering education, and the role of research in addressing some of today's most pressing environmental challenges. So Ken, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here as well. Well, if we kind of jump right in, maybe uh, I'd like to do a, a level set and just maybe ask you to talk a little bit about uh, your role at Illinois Tech and some of the things you're focused on right now yeah absolutely so um uh let me orient you a little bit to illinois tech uh we were founded in 1890 with a very noble purpose of uh, providing educational opportunities for students from all walks of life and at that time it meant the children of the meat packers and the steel workers and the machinists on the south side of chicago and uh, uh we hold that mission dear to our hearts still today in providing educational opportunities from students across the globe with the idea being that we're an opportunity engine in helping them follow their careers, uh, economic growth personally and professionally. Uh, and so we're very proud to be a very inclusive uh, educational enterprise um, for individuals um, from a variety of backgrounds. 40% of our freshman class uh, this year is first generation. Hmm. And it really speaks to the socioeconomic uh, cross-section of the students that attend Illinois Tech. Um, so in that vein, I lead the academic enterprise at our institution, uh, which means that uh, I oversee all of the academic colleges and academic programs that the university offers, as well as the research enterprise uh, that the university uh, is very proud uh, to be a part of. Illinois Tech has a long history of innovation, in fact, uh, through our alums, through our faculty. Um, Marty Cooper uh, is an alum of our electrical engineering department. Marty led a team at Motorella that uh, uh, developed the first cell phone. Mm -hmm. um, Ed Kaplan and colleagues uh, started Zebra Technologies focused on barcode innovations yep. and and uh, so we really, uh, we really point to our history of innovation as a North Star for us, 
both in education, but also in driving translational research impact. So in the last couple of years, we've really redoubled our efforts to uh, provide access to education, um, particularly tech-based education at Illinois Tech, not just locally, but globally. Uh, a few things that have happened recently include the launching of four new degree programs on the Coursera platform that are really focused on global learners and um, lifelong learners, people looking for a career pivot or career growth. Um, we have a Mandarin MBA program that we offer in China that's targeting working professionals. Uh, we just launched a new program called Elevate on our campus, which is meant to connect experiential learning and education to employment outcomes for our students. And in these ways, we're, we're really driven by ensuring that we meet workforce needs. And um, so our academic programs are industry-centered. They're meant to provide um, maximal ROI for our students when they graduate, uh, maximum ROI for the employers that hire them. And in our research mission, we're, we're very much focused that way as well. Uh, we focus on relevance-inspired research, meaning we want to do things and we want to drive innovation that will have impact, whether it's through applied research and collaboration with industry or translational work that could help, you know, change things for the better for, for humankind. You know, that's really our focus. And uh, we're very proud to, to be Chicago-based. Um, and we're also proud, though, to have a global footprint and recognition um, and so uh, it's an exciting time at Illinois Tech. In two years, we've seen our enrollments grow from about uh, 6,400 students to over 8,500 wow. students. Yeah. So at a time when, when higher ed enrollments are stagnating, we're seeing huge growth. And I think it's both mission and our expertise in, in the tech space. That's outstanding. Yeah, no, very, very interesting. And I can speak firsthand, you know, being a Chicagoan here, um, the pride we have in seeing, you know, what, what's come out of Illinois tech and where it's going, you know, just uh, some of the momentum that um, really has picked up speed here in the recent past. And I'm excited to kind of get more into some of the details of where things are going in Illinois tech, what your vision is and what some of those intersections, you know, can continue to be. But at the translate, kept using the word translation and the importance of translation. So we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more about um, that word and what you're doing um, as an institution in that regard. Um, and but before we do that, it might be useful for our audience to hear a little bit about what brought you to where you are right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? You know, I mean, you're a scientist um, and, you know, there's a lot of motivations to become a scientist. I wonder what were some of the things that um, maybe were your North Stars as you got going um, earlier in your career, whether it was high school or, you know, in college, you know, you had a aha moment or, or it was something that maybe you knew all along as a kid, you're going to get into the field of, you know, engineering and, and science. Can you talk a little bit about your, you know, early motivations to get into the field in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I come from a family of teachers, uh, both parents and my sister. Um, and uh, so really um, driven to learn and explore. Um, had an internship over the summer at Los Alamos National Lab. I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm. Uh, that was a, a, a great experience for me to kind of see the, the other side of, of science and engineering. I would point to an undergraduate research experience I had. Mm. Uh, prob it was probably my junior year. I'm a mechanical engineer by training. Mm -hmm. um, and that experience really showed me the power of uh, discovery. Mm -hmm. 
and the potential impact that it can have from an innovation standpoint and a translational standpoint. Mm. So for me, that that was kind of my aha moment yeah. that uh, you know maybe maybe my career isn't best spent going into industry out of my bachelor's, but pursuing an advanced degree, mm -hmm. which meant led me to the U of I in Urbana to do yeah. my PhD. Uh, so I'm a fluid mechanician by training. I study turbulent flows um, from engineering and environmental contexts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that part of my career has always been um, a really wonderful thing to point to because mentorship of the next generation of scientists and engineers has always been near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, early in my career, having some really fantastic PhD students, uh, seeing them succeed, seeing them enter academia or industry to have impact, um, you know, has really driven me personally. And um, at some point, I reached a branch in the road and, and decided that I'd pursue academic administration. Mm -hmm. And um, again, the reason being is sort of a manifestation of that, that, that endearing piece of mentorship to me, right? Trying to help provide platforms of success mm -hmm. for others, whether yeah. it's faculty, staff, students and the like. And so uh, that's kind of brought me to where I am today as an academic leader. Um, the reason I came to Illinois Tech, actually two reasons. One is the mission I stated before. Mm -hmm. And the second is is that I was always at institutions in small college towns. And so the opportunity to integrate industry and education and research was rather difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, being here in Chicago and the wealth of industry that exists here across the span of science and engineering was a huge uh, motivator for me in taking the deanship when I did, because yeah. it really gave me a platform to realize that that vision that I had around industry-relevant education and research, yeah. and this notion of applied and translational yeah. uh, innovation. So I'm just thrilled to be in Chicago, be at Illinois Tech, and 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 to be now a part of what I I see as a huge growing tech ecosystem here in Chicago, whether it's the life sciences or or soft tech or or med tech or other areas, um, you know, these are all areas of expertise for Illinois Tech, but also important areas for humanity and for us to come together and collaborate on. Yeah, no, outstanding. And I think, um, you know, the, the word I you know, kept hearing through, you know, each of the comments that you made about your journey was just the word teaching. Um, that seems to be kind of a guiding, you know, principle for you. And if I maybe... Um, use different words to describe what you were saying or the way I heard it, you know, with regards to your current role and what brought you into academic administration. It was kind of the ability to teach on a broader scale and, mm -hmm. and leverage, you know, that um, to both support faculty, but then um, have broader impact, you know, beyond even just one class or a set of students. You have an opportunity to do that, not only, you know, for a given field, but the in this case, you know, the, the entire institution. So that's got to be a pretty cool feeling to have that impact. It is. And, you know, these are interesting times in higher ed. Mm -hmm. um, the landscape is evolving rapidly. Mm -hmm. The global workforce needs are evolving rapidly. And as I like to tell our faculty, ac academia typically operates on glacial timescales, not the timescales of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a moment now and an opportunity now to try to align ourselves better. Yeah. And Illinois Tech is small enough, nimble enough, and innovative enough to meet that demand. Mm -hmm. And so 
what it means to be an institution of higher education is very different now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Degrees are incredibly important. Um, but really, taking your academic assets mm-hmm. and leveraging them mm-hmm. as learning opportunities for as broad a base of students as possible mm-hmm. is really where the future lies in higher education. What I mean by that is, yes, traditional undergraduate students, traditional graduate students are going to still be core to our mission. But there is a world out there that is in desperate need of lifelong learning Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to help upskill, reskill the workforce to meet the rapidly evolving demands of clean energy technologies, life science, innovation, AI, machine learning, and all of these concepts. And we hold the expertise to do that. We meaning, you know, colleges and universities. Yeah. And those of us that are willing to adapt in our thinking are going to thrive in the future. Mm-hmm. And this also comes to research, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we're very prideful of at Illinois Tech is a collaborative research environment. And it's not just with each other. Mm-hmm. It's with outside entities, with companies, startups, established industry partners, uh, government, uh, not-for-profit organizations. Um, it's those types of collaborations that are going to drive ultimate impact. Mm-hmm. And we, we really hold that dear to our hearts. And so this idea of just being a different type of institution from a higher ed perspective mm-hmm. is really exciting. And I think that it's it's an absolute necessity for us to meet the demands that that the world is is faced with. Yeah, and it seems to me that what you have the opportunity to do, not only in your own personal role, but Illinois Tech as an institution at this moment in time, is be in touch with the marketplace, meaning what is industry looking for, or not only here locally, but with your online Coursera, Coursera classes around the globe. And to your point, not just your usual students that you're thinking about for undergrad and graduate, but the lifelong learning aspect of all of that and, and thinking about over a much longer timetable, what's the value proposition for the institution you know, to the outside world. And there's a lot of different ways to think about the role of an institution. First and foremost, of course, is, you know, uh, the academy and great science and, and um, you know, rock solid, rigorous um, uh, environment for learning. But another, and one thing that I've observed, you know, in the past decade or so, students have become more demanding about practice. You know, they want to not just learn, but they want to do. And even faculty, um, I've observed that more often than not, today's you know younger faculty are almost hardwired to not only want to do great research and then publish in science and nature and sell uh, whatever the peer review journal of choice is, mm-hmm. but they want to see impact with their ideas, which is also the same in the sense that they want to practice, they want to see it, they want to make it real. Have you noticed that? And what's Illinois Tech's opportunity in that regard? Because when I think about Illinois Tech, I think they they really do an outstanding job of thinking about the market and addressing that that market need. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the outputs of the quality of the students are better prepared for yeah. a market that's evolving very rapidly. But just wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, that's completely in our wheelhouse. We've, we've been focused on practice-based education for a long time. The notion of experiential learning being integrated into a student's academic program 
um, is really foundational for us. And so we take great pride in that notion of practice-based learning. Um, it's interesting, you know, to talk to faculty. You see some of the generational uh, changes that are underway, and you pointed to some of them, which is young faculty are, are very hungry, not just for sort of the metrics, but the tangible impact. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're very attuned to what the world needs, what industry needs, what funding agencies are looking for. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's been a shift in the higher ed landscape over time. And, and, and um, so for us, that, that actually is an alignment that um, is very fruitful at this time. Uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, you talked about value proposition and, and kind of the return on investment for students wanting to be able to learn to practice their skill sets. Um, some of the rankings agencies have recently shifted to this notion of what is the output? What is the value add an institution is providing to a student in their future careers? And uh, when that's happened, Illinois Tech has resonated in those rankings. So a recent example is Wall Street Journal rankings of, of best colleges is focused entirely on outputs, right? Mm -hmm. What's the value add and what are the career, what's the career trajectory of, of students from various universities? And we're very proud to be number one in the state of Illinois and number 23 nationally that way. And, and uh, again, you know, that's a shift in higher ed. And it's mm -hmm. a shift in, in not just uh, um, the hired marketplace, but it's a shift in the customer base mm -hmm. and what the expectations are. Right. Um, and that's true on the research side as well. And mm -hmm. I think that um, I think that one of the things that we really value is partnership. So our president will always talk about an ecosystem of partners for for Illinois Tech. And, and the reason for that is because we can't be everything to everyone. Right. But if we build the right strategic partnerships, mm -hmm. we can get pretty close to that mm -hmm. by bringing in complementarity and uh, bringing in expertise that helps provide value add mm -hmm. for what we can offer. And so, um, you know, that's really been our approach in the last few years is redoubling our partnerships. Coursera is a great example on the educational side. We recently launched the National Institute for Advanced Manufacturing with DMG Mori, mm -hmm. uh, which is a large international mach machine tooling company. Mm -hmm. so these are just examples of where we're trying to bridge to both relevance mm -hmm. and bridge to complementary strengths that then allow us to have impact. Yeah, no, that's that's a really progressive. What if we kind of hone in a little bit around you know setting the stage for the next decade and where you, the institution is is headed, and your role in kind of thinking strategically about kind of where do you want to be over the next decade or so? What are some of the key pieces of the strategy that you think are important based on all that? You know what you just shared in terms of worlds moving quickly. Um, you know, industries evolving rapidly, um, new technologies, things like AI, you know, that are, you know, really transformational in terms of the types of skills that are required to continue to grow and scale the, the companies in, in, in the U.S. and around the world. Um, what, what, does, what is Illinois Tech doing today to be positioned to continue that trajectory? Um, and maybe specifically, um, what are some of the uh, programs that you're engaged in that might be, you know, interesting to new faculty that you're trying to attract that, that come in that also then feeds the energy around, you know, catering to these new 
Mm-hmm. Uh, students that are looking to understand how to, you know, um, develop themselves to be able to be capable to take on these new roles in industry. Just any comments around that overall strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think at its core, there are two founding principles. One is uh, inclusivity, and the other really is is um, driving impact. And um, you can think of that both from an educational perspective, but also from a research perspective. Education-wise, we want to be known as an inclusive, accessible institution. We want to be known as a partner with industry to help meet their needs. And we want to be known as an innovator in how you make that happen, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's Coursera or more... um, deliberate collaborations with industry to create lifelong learning, upskill, reskill capabilities. Uh, you know, we want, we want to be known for resonating with the entire value chain of, of learning needs, not just in degrees, but everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a research perspective, again, the notion of partnerships, and you see, you see this, the federal funding is, is being driven toward large partner-based hub type activities, right, to really to really uh, address grand challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there's this drive to uh, ensure very strong interactions between industry and research universities, mm-hmm. right? It's clearly a priority in that way. So for us, making sure that we build those networks holistically, mm-hmm. making sure that we place ourselves in environments where those partnerships are possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, a, a great example of us doing that is the establishment of of a presence uh, here in, in Fulton Labs within Fulton Market, right? Yeah. And this budding life sciences ecosystem that is growing here so rapidly, it's such an exciting, energetic place to be, mm-hmm. but it's also... Really exciting to see the variety, the diversity of startups and established companies and and other research entities Mm -hmm. uh, planting their flags here. And so we're very proud to be the first uh, university to establish that presence in Fulton Market uh, at Fulton Labs. And uh, to me, there are really two benefits. The first is obviously access to um, modern shared-use wet lab facilities that can help drive innovation for our faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from a faculty recruitment standpoint, having this presence in place will allow us to compete even better for some of the best and brightest, brightest faculty looking to have impact in the life sciences. Mm-hmm. But second, and equally important, as important is the environment. Mm-hmm. Right, This ecosystem yeah. is energetic. Mm-hmm. This ecosystem can help drive collaborations that we may not otherwise be able to participate in. Mm-hmm. And so um, this, again, is a very unique strategic opportunity for us to establish a presence in an environment that really does resonate with our goals from a from a research and development perspective, right? Collaborating with industry, developing technologies that translate to impact. Yeah, and so for us, this is uh, this this is uh, a perfect space to be in. Um, our life sciences research portfolio right now is between a, a ten and twelve million dollars a year. Uh, we expect that to double 
in the next five years because of this shift into this ecosystem, uh, the facilities that we'll have available. And uh, so we're just so excited to establish ourselves here and and to collaborate with with the wonderful ecosystem that that is growing here. And uh, uh, we only see benefits and we only see the opportunity to to become even an even larger anchor for Chicago in this space. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you you know how excited I am about this. It's really just a manifestation and a, a clear illustration of the forward-looking vision around being fully immersed in this uh, high-momentum ecosystem that uh, it's almost a flywheel effect that's kind of now accelerating and, you know, just was overjoyed to hear that Illinois Tech was even thinking about the prospect of placing, you know, that operation here in Fulton Labs and thinking to myself, what a smart move. I mean, and selfishly, of course, I would say that. But in the whole scheme of things, being immersed and surrounded by both the environment and then the physical infrastructure that you need. I, we always talk here about, you know, hardware and software. If the building is real important, the hardware is critical, but software is important too. Who's there? What are they working on? How are they collaborating? What are, what's the mission? What's the culture? Um, and the culture uh, in a Fulton Labs, in, in, in a way, you know, each individual user of Fulton Labs space, you know, whether it's a large company, an academic institution, a, a CRO like Charles River Labs, uh, each group will have their own individual culture, but Fulton Labs itself is kind of taking on a culture of its own. And that's becoming pervasive, I think, in Chicago, in Fulton Market. It kind of started, it's, it's spreading in that direction as well, which I think is really fun to watch. But Illinois Tech's move in that direction really upped the game and accelerated the, the movement in that regard. Further, I think, um, makes it more attractive for the next group mm -hmm. of people that are saying, hey, Illinois Tech is there. We got to be near their scientists so we can collaborate and, and do more. And, and maybe building on that point, this underpinning um, uh, evolution around where funding comes from in an academic institution. You kind of mentioned that large grand challenges and the way grants are being provided, that's changed over time. You know, um, institutions relying solely, you know, on government funding for research um, the way it used to be is it's very different today. And if you're going to get a grant, um, it's got to be multidisciplinary and yeah. it needs to solve some type of problem usually. Um, and that's perfect for engineers, right? They're looking, you know, and, and, and applied scientists that are looking to, to solve some of those grand challenges. So being in an environment where you have all those constituents that are nearby each other that may not even be in the lab with each other, but maybe they trickle down to the uh, Guinness Brewery, you know, after work and have a Guinness together and they talk about what's next. I mean, that also is, creates the stickiness of the talent in the ecosystem, too. If there's no one else working on this type of thing, yep. you're kind of alone. And so, yep. you know, community is really an important element. So I just um, really appreciated hearing you talk about the importance of the environment um, in, in addition to the the hardware that, that goes with, you know, creating creating that environment. What what do you envision? Are there any core themes uh, that you're thinking about, not only within Fulton Labs, but just kind of broadly for Illinois mm -hmm. Tech? What are some of those, and, and maybe it's general, but are there any themes uh, of grand challenges or areas of particular interest that the institution has um, that our audience would be interested in learning about? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, there's a couple that that both overlap with with um, the ecosystem here and 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 more broadly as well. Um, certainly, health tech is is important to humanity and it's important to us. There's this interesting interface between technology and health where an institution like ours can help be a bridge. And um, again, through collaboration. So we have a number of collaborations with medical schools here in Chicago in a variety of areas, med tech, uh, um, in uh, tissue engineering, biopharmaceuticals. You know, these are these are themes of the researchers that that may end up um, being located here at Fulton Labs. Um, but then sort of that the seam between the digital and the physical is actually a critical theme for our institution, right? There is now this this seam that exists where students and researchers have to be able to comfortably operate across the boundary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, digital capabilities are allowing design and prediction to be much more uh, holistic, um, but bridging back to the physical is critical to having impact. So for us, that that notion of the notion of digital twinning, whether it means you know from a health perspective or it means from a clean technology perspective mm-hmm. or a manufacturing perspective, for us, we want to be a resource in helping industry uh, operate at that seam between the digital and the physical. In terms of disciplines that are important to us, obviously the life sciences is a critical mm-hmm. growth area for us, and it, it's it's both um, from a disease perspective, but also from a wellness perspective, Mm -hmm. and then also from a technology-based perspective. So the use of of tools like AI and ML Mm -hmm. to help with predictive healthcare choices, Um, the use of AI ML uh, principles to help revolutionize electronic health records, Mm -hmm. right? Um, These are all things that we're emphasizing in our research portfolio. In addition to that, Clean energy technologies is a, is a huge area for us as well, whether it's uh, uh, battery technologies for EVs, whether it's, you know, conversion of carbon dioxide to other useful products. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of technology innovation going on at our institution in this space. And then for us, manufacturing is another area of emphasis. And I mean that in the broadest sense of the word, mm-hmm. not just sort of hard metal manufacturing like aerospace and those kinds of things, or semiconductors, which is, again, reshoring of that manufacturing is really cri- critical, but also process manufacturing, you know, pharmaceuticals, chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, food. Yeah. Um, this is an area of strength for us. We have the first FDA center of excellence in food safety and health mm. uh, that was established in the 1980s, and, and we call that IFISH. And uh, it's still an um, incredibly innovative enterprise that where we're co-located, Illinois Tech and the FDA researchers are co-located, wow. driving innovation in the food safety and health space. Yeah. So, it's important, um, particularly uh, in Chicago, you know, where there really is kind of a core hub around food science, food innovation. Absolutely. Uh, food investing so right yep. in the right in the heart of all of that yep. yeah so these are good times for us yeah no well so if you maybe take one step further when you think about translation it's the conception of that idea you're seeing a problem you're coming up with an innovation or an invention for that matter um, oftentimes that invention can you know be translated by a startup what are some of your thoughts around and maybe just um 
observations that you can share with regards to, you mentioned the growth and enrollment um, continuing to move rapidly and, and continuing to scale. Uh, what, what can you tell us about the the, you mentioned the change in the customer base, if you will. What were the expectations of the of uh, new students and graduates that are moving out of the university? Do they see an opportunity to translate some of their ideas via a startup? And maybe just comments around where where that element of the kind of the road to commercialization mm-hmm. um, starts to pick up steam after the university. Yeah. So. Um we have a student base that is hungry in this space. And, and of course, uh, not to interrupt, but you I mean, you've got the Kaplan Institute. So, I mean, yep. as you pointed out, I mean, Illinois Tech has been a leader in innovation and uh, startups, you know, the really, you know, since, since the early days, going back to the Mo- Motorola story. So this is not a new oh, yeah, story yeah, yeah, yeah. for Illinois Tech. Yep. But just thinking about kind of the next uh, yep. wave and your, your comments around the momentum, you know, with regards to the environment and the ecosystem. Yeah. So you mentioned the Kaplan Institute for Tech Innovation and Entrepreneurship. That is that. That is the innovation and entrepreneurship hub on our campus. Uh, It has been primarily focused on uh, training students in this space. Um, It has also uh, served as an accelerator for a variety of companies uh, in this regard. I would say that its next steps in its growth are really helping build a robust research commercialization engine for our university. Mm -hmm. And we're embarking on that that growth right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is because of the faculty base that we now have. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned before, younger faculty, you know, this, this generation of faculty now that are entering into the academic workforce are really driven by wanting to have that impact. And um, they're going to thrive at institutions that fully support that. And it's not just with the infrastructure and the, um, you know, sort of workspaces that, that help support that. But it's also in acknowledging the impact that that innovation is having on humanity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that we're embarking on as well is not just building the commercialization engine, but building the recognition of excellence that goes with it. Mm-hmm. So making sure that, you know, tenure promotion decisions. Yeah accommodate the fact that someone has a portfolio of patents, perhaps a startup, uh, and leading to commercialization of their research, ensuring that we cultivate a holistic environment Mm -hmm. around this, I think is really critical. Because if we support our faculty in that way, Mm -hmm. we'll be naturally training our PhD students and even our undergraduates Mm -hmm. around these concepts in healthy ways that will then drive them into this particular marketplace of innovation. And so uh, it really will come full circle on itself. And so for us, this is is our next phase of growth, I would say, uh, from an applied research perspective, is really, really honing in on commercialization. And that's why, you know, co-locating here in Fulton Labs is so critical to us in the life sciences space. I think that's an area where we could see significant impact in the next five to 10 years. When you look at your continued trajectory of growth and executing on this um, strategy that you've laid out here, um, staying true to your roots, you know, you have, uh, as you pointed out, you know, a very um, uh, diverse population um, and many of your students, you know, are uh, first generation students and um one of the things I think that's uh, a limitation of uh, verticals like uh, biotech and life sciences um, 
is as as cell therapies need to scale, as biomanufacturing becomes more important for whether it's cell therapy or gene therapy or doing any kind of materials engineering and scale up. Mm-hmm. Uh, our workforce preparation uh, across those unique and evolving roles, I think, is is not where it needs to be generally as an industry. Yeah. So that as these innovations happen and show profound effect in diseases like leukemia and products like Kimraya, and you know that all came out of one faculty member's lab. At you know, and, and you can pick the story, but you know, if you pick Penn and you know, Carl June and Kim Raya and cell therapy and CAR T and all that. That's one pathway. That's just one tiny story that yeah. there will be stories of those types of things happening uh, coming out of Illinois Tech as well. But if you look at one of the limitations, it's how do you scale a lot of these technologies so that they can be delivered to patients in a cost-effective manner. So one of the challenges in delivering, you know, a Kimraya or a CAR-T therapy is they're demonstrating now to be highly effective. In fact, the first two CRISPR uh, gene editing uh, products were approved for sickle cell anemia two weeks ago by the FDA. That's a major breakthrough for yeah, science huge milestone. And, a, and a major impact we hope for these patients uh that 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 really didn't have any any alternative opportunity so the science is moving fast but the scale of delivering cost effectively these treatments to patients i think will define you know the next couple decades of you know how we take advantage of the scientific breakthroughs but then turn them into you know meaningful treatments for patients so that's that's all to kind of get to the question of you around how do we uh, welcome a more diverse workforce that we will require for scale um, and whether it's educating someone later in their career to be tooled for for this mm-hmm. opportunity or a young student that decides they're not going to go to college but they see an opportunity to make a living yep. you know being a technician you know by a manufacturing plant any comments around Illinois Tech's role in um, stewarding that and maintaining that, you know, diversity that you have right now and kind of continuing to be true to that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And we view ourselves as a supplier of diverse tech talent. Um, our, as you mentioned, you know, our, our, our student base is highly diverse uh, in lots of different ways, including globally. And, um, you know, we really honor our mission uh, as an inclusive education institution in not just creating the talent out of high school, but also maintaining and allowing the talent to pivot to meet workforce needs throughout one's career lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so this goes back to what I talked about earlier, which is, you know, there's a set of universities that can really thrive in this next generation of time when they focus their learning experiences well beyond just degrees. That's still a foundational component, but you can leverage that excellence and those assets in ways that help people through their entire career lifetime. And so I I see Illinois Tech as being central to that. And I think there's a number of institutions out there that are focused in these very uh, innovative and expansive ways. Uh, that leverage their talent to have impact in the broadest sense of the word from a learning perspective, from an education perspective. Um, and, 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 and we see ourselves, again, as that supplier. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, um, what we have to recognize is that 
learning doesn't stop when you get your diploma. Um, it never has, but there's never been a time where it's been more acutely, um, where, where there hasn't been such an acute awareness of the fact that lifelong learning is absolutely critical mm -hmm. to innovation, growth, and impact. Yeah, it's become required. It's yeah. absolutely required, yeah. and you know the one it's not step even career really... changes. It's even staying in the career that you started oh, with. Absolutely, it's a very different role, even if the title is the same. So, in our Coursera student cohort, which is just growing, just beginning to grow, mm -hmm. uh, the average age of the learner is thirty-five, although it spans everything from twenty-five to fifty-five. Mm -hmm. um, more telling, ten percent of our master's students have a doctorate. What that tells me is that there are people looking to these programs for that career pivot, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, the other stat that really hit me early on in my career as a provost in understanding the need for lifelong learning is the fact that the half-life of a cybersecurity education is less than two years. Mm -hmm. Cybersecurity is so foundational to sure. not just our national security, right. but the security of our intellectual property, mm -hmm. uh, of our innovation ecosystems. If we don't maintain that workforce, right, to be aligned with the latest needs, then we set ourselves back. So these are just two examples of where lifelong learning is so critical. And uh, as an institution, Illinois Tech is, is, is absolutely committed to being a supplier at scale of that kind of talent. You know, as we just um, retrace a little bit of our earlier conversation around kind of where you got started, what your North Star was, kind of what triggered you to get into the field. Um, and again, coming back to that key theme of just uh, your, your family of teachers, you know, you're kind of supporting and giving back and mentoring, and you're doing that now at scale. Um, Thinking back to you know your experiences in in New Mexico, could you ever imagined you know being in the role that you're in right now? And what advice would you give to our listeners that are thinking about might this be a journey that they would want to follow for their own path? What were some of the what were some of the things that maybe made it uh, you know you, you kind of had to do a gut check along the way and say, do I really want to stick with this because it's kind of hard? But you. You, you kept moving through and what are maybe some of the bigger joys in, in, in that journey as well? Yeah. So never could have imagined this is where I would end up. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a career academic, <laughs> uh, running my lab and, you know, doing good research mm -hmm. and producing good students mm -hmm. and watching them thrive in their own careers, which, which I, I, I watch from afar now, mm -hmm. all the students that I had, and I'm very proud of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one thing that I've realized along the way is, um, well, a couple, uh, fo I followed my gut mm. and, um, I always felt like the pivots I made, mm -hmm. they felt right, and then they they played out mm -hmm. the way that I thought they would. Mm -hmm. uh, the second is that when I look back, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I look back, all these experiences really did build a portfolio of capabilities for myself. Um, you know, whether it's mentoring graduate students, the 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 people skills that's required to run a diverse research group, maps well to running a large university mm. enterprise and those kinds of things. And, and um, the other thing that I've always held true for myself is I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I tell that to students all the time. Convocation, when the new students arrive on campus, my first piece of advice to them is find what you enjoy and do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, because that's never led me wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, and frankly, you never know where your career takes you. Right. But it's an entire learning journey. Mm-hmm. And again, getting back to lifelong learning, I feel like I've done that in very um, indirect ways mm-hmm. through my career. Um, but building on that value that you get from that, I think, is really important. Um, but, you know, at a time when the world needs tech talent mm-hmm. that can solve the immense problems that right. we have to yeah. face, um, I couldn't be prouder to, to be a part of the ecosystem that's helping uh, train that next generation of tech talent. And uh, our university is full of wonderful people really focused on that. Our faculty and our staff are fabulous. And uh, it really is a joy to be able to work with them. And we look forward to being a part of this ecosystem here at Fulton Labs as well and, and, uh, and uh, build new relationships yeah. that uh, will be just as fruitful. Likewise, no. And um, when I think about what, what you said there, I mean, it's uh, say yes to your gut. Be open to risk-taking, um, calculated risk-taking, and being prepared for what's next, and being in an environment where... Um, you can shape the future. And I just, you know, look across the table at you and I just see we're very lucky to have you in the role that you're in at an institution like Illinois Tech. That Because I get a chance to speak with a lot of, you know, different innovators, whether it be academic or industry at the research level. And, you know, to get the alignment around the institution, where it is and where it's going, what its roots are and what its opportunities are, and then uh, a visionary leader like you and a team, of course, I know you've got many colleagues that you're working with there, but you're in a really special opportunity right now, but you're really making an impact with the choices that you're making. And it's fun to watch you, and I'm really excited to see what happens over the course of the next decade. And maybe as we close, any prognostications around you know, a field of science to really pay attention to that you just think is really moving fast you know, I of course AI and ML and just this whole convergence of we all also talk a lot about it. It was biotech before; it's really more tech bio now and physics-driven yep. bio, and that's what's really cool about all this convergence that's happening. But is there any key area or breakthrough that you think in the next decade is going to be a really important thing to watch in any field? Yeah, no, I think uh, for me, what I see as um a research interface that has to mature for us to really make advances across all fields of science and engineering is, again, how do we navigate that bridge between the digital and the physical? Mm. And um, as AIML tools are maturing, how do they pair with physical experimentation? How do they, um, how do they pair with deployment? Of technologies, and then how are they become integrated in the new technologies that really have the impact? Mm-hmm. And so I see a maturation there that's going to be really important. And I think it's honestly going to be discipline agnostic. Mm-hmm. It's going to have impact in the humanities, mm-hmm. through uh, health tech, through manufacturing, through everything. Yeah. And um, I just I feel like we're in this golden age of not not computing, mm-hmm. but actually the integrated nature yeah. with which those kinds of tools can exist 
in a physical system, I think mm-hmm. is really exciting. Yeah, terrific. Well, Ken, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure. I look forward to collaborating with you and your team. Uh, can't wait to have your team on site here at Fulton Labs and just overjoyed that you know, you're know you part of Chicago and part of this, uh, this ecosystem that's building up here in Fulton Market. Thanks so much, John. We're looking forward to it as well. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guests today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratsdounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye. 